0: Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Oh. Hello and welcome, welcome to season two, episode two of the Small Talk, Big Thoughts podcast. I'm your host, Ebony Griffin. And as you know, I took a few weeks off for self-care and I returned last week to discuss grief. Uh, this week is going to be a little bit different because it's very special to me in the sense that like grief, it's connected to mental health and God's people, particularly Christians. Now this month, uh, I'm focusing on mental health because this is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I wanted to kind of give a brief description of what mental illness is. So mental illness is a condition that changes a person's thinking, their feelings, and or their behaviors. And mental illness affects the brain, it affects a person's thoughts and their actions. It's caused by many things. It could be a chemical imbalance, it could be genetics, it could be environmental factors and or social factors. And I would like to add that generational curses could also be a uh, cause. And so what I mean by generational curses is, is a generational pattern of the same behavior being repeated from one generation to the next. So so the most common mental health challenges are untreated trauma and stressors that lead to anxiety, depression, and addiction. And more serious disorders are like bipolar, schizophrenia, and suicidal ideations that lead to suicide. The most common myths for Christians related to mental illness it's there are more, but I'm I'm only going to give you about four or five. The first one is, is if you have had a mental illness that you should have prayed more or you should have had more faith because you, that just can't happen to somebody that is praying and got faith. And I don't know if you've heard that, but it is very flawed and it's just not grounded in scripture. The truth is, is that... People can pray and they can have faith and they can still be, you know, affected by mental health challenges. The next myth is I can pray it away. So this is connected to the first myth and it's it's really irrational thinking in the sense that we know, the reality is, is that we know that Prayer is effective. Effective prayer is effective. It's an amazing tool that we have as Christians um, because prayer can actually move mountains. Okay? Effective prayer can move mountains. Uh, But if someone is, if you can see that they have a mental illness and you're thinking that, hey, we're just going to pray it away right now and that's it. And then nothing changes then that might mean that you are in denial about the realities of what that person is going through so I think that in many experiences is a lot of denial it's a lot of sweeping things under the rug and it's not enough dealing with the situation head-on and utilizing all of the tools that we have as Christians so we have prayer we have fasting we have faith and we have therapy and we also have Mental health therapists to help us talk things through psychiatrists psychologists and we also have medications and so in combination those things can work but to just say hey I kind of see the problem or I don't see the problem I'm gonna turn my head and we're just gonna pray it away I don't think that that's effective and I think that that is one of the bigger reasons why A lot of people are just kind of walking around as the walking wounded Um, the third myth is I am not strong because I am depressed or stressed or have anxiety because mental issues are for the weak this is such a big lie Um, the reality is is that you know we have a responsibility a kingdom responsibility to do things god has called us to do certain things and he doesn't call us to do things that we can just do on our own he calls us to do things that we will depend on him and lean on him and so if a person has a mental issue that's that may be they may feel like it's weak but that is a perfect opportunity for the person to believe in god And to actually depend on him there are countless people in and out of the Bible me included that have had to depend on God for strength in times of weakness so when a person is weak regardless of what the issue is they should lean on God they should glean to him and they should depend on him and having a mental illness is no different the last myth is the one that is really the reason why people go so long without being treated and they suffer in silence, and that is Christians do not get depressed or have anxiety. And this is just the big fat lie. The truth is people of faith can experience mental mental health challenges. No Christian or person is above this. If a person feels that they're struggling mentally they should seek professional care they should seek seek help and they shouldn't sweep it under the rug again I can say it over and over that problems that are swept under the rug just means that it's a high potential to fall and to trip over it you have to deal with things head-on and mental illness is no different if you see one of your brothers and sisters that is struggling with challenges in the area of mental health if you know you are responsible for helping them and encouraging them, if they had a heart condition or some other type of um, disability you would not say to them oh you know pray it away or you don't have to deal with that or you know Christians don't don't deal with heart conditions no you would be the person that walks alongside of them to assist them to get the help that they needed so again be that brother or sister that is joining with them to help them and let them know that there is nothing weak about getting or having a mental illness But that is something that you can pray for them you can encourage them you can you know help them in many ways but to ignore it is not one way that you will deal with that so I wanted to get to the biblical examples. Now, of course, I could talk about Jonah and Elijah. Those are the more known people in the Bible that are struggling or that had a str- an instance of struggle with anxiety and, you know, just, you know, their thoughts not being good or solid. But I really wanted to focus on one person the entire time and that is Saul, King Saul. And this is going to be a little different from previous podcasts because I'm going to walk through a timeline and what I would like you to do is I want you to get your Bible out and I want you to kind of walk with me through it. I want you to stop if you feel like you stop the, the podcast and say, okay, let me go ahead and read this scripture a little bit more and then I can press play and go back to the podcast and really get into it because this is more... Bible study sort of but not really because I'm not really preaching or anything like that but this is really digging deeper um, through this man's life basically to get to know him and also get to know the characteristics of God. So we're going to start with First Samuel and we're really going through this book but it's specifically about Saul's life. So First Samuel chapter 10 verse 24 saul is appointed to be the king of israel now this is a really good time because the israelites just to give you a background they really want a king just like all the other people uh, had and god grants them their you know what they wanted their their hearts desire and they get saul he's appointed he's anointed the word says that the word Uh, that the spirit of the Lord was upon him. So the word says the spirit of the Lord was upon Saul. And that is chapter 10, verse 24. Now we'll move on to chapter 13, verse one. He is reigning for two years. So he's been in the position for two years. He's been, you know, doing his thing. And then we get to verse 10 of chapter 13, where it says he offers burnt sacrifices. But he does this without God's permission. He is not consulted with God at all. He's just kind of like doing his own thing. And from that point, he's told that, okay, number one, you're wrong. Who told you to do this? Ain't nobody tell you to do this. What you doing? So he's told he's wrong. And then he's also told that his reign would not continue. So he could have focused up. He could have said, okay, I messed up. And he could have said, "I'm gonna get it together," and he could have repented, and he could have got his life right. But he does not, and he uses this as an opportunity to just kind of go straight to making more difficult and bad judgments from that point. So, First Samuel fourteen, chapter uh um, verse forty four and forty five. So that's First Samuel chapter fourteen verse 44 and 45 samuel is willing to kill his own son for not following the rules now what's very interesting is is that just you know a few chapters up he is doing his own thing and not following the rules and he gets to continue breathing yet he is willing to take his son's life because his son didn't follow the rules and it's not until the people step in for the son and say hey your son did a good thing you need to let him live that he's like oh okay okay so his judgment is getting poor so we'll move on to first samuel chapter 15 now i didn't really give too many verses within this chapter because the chapter is really good Um, the entire chapter is good, but in this case, it starts off with him being told to destroy the, uh, to destroy Amalek, to go into this camp, take out this nation, take their belongings, destroy all of it, take it down. Okay. That's the assignment. Instead, Saul does his own thing. He goes rogue again. He uh, lets the king live. Out of all the people, you let the king live, okay? And then he keeps a lot of their prized possessions. Like the best of the best, he keeps these things. And, you know, he's bringing them back to the camp. So this time, God is like furious with him. He's furious. By the time we get to verse uh, 15, so we're in chapter 15. We are at verse 23, God tells him your rebellion is seen as a witchcraft. And he says that your stubbornness is is seen as idolatry. So these are big, big words. You know, this is coming from God. We're in verse 13 and he tells him his rebellion is seen as witchcraft and his stubbornness is seen as idolatry. So what God is really saying is that what you did, I told you to do one thing. You did your own thing. And I'm looking at that like it's witchcraft. I'm looking at it like it's rebellion. I'm looking at it like it's stubbornness. I'm looking at it like it's idolatry. It is more pride driven and it's more you focused all and it's not God focused at all and he just messed up with god like that was really the last straw with god and you would think right then and there that he would have changed and he would have said okay let me get my stuff together he did not focus up he did not change and david enters the picture at this point and he is anointed as the king he's going to replace Saul and um you know Saul is kind of not in he doesn't really understand what's happening even though he knows what God said is taking him a little bit of time to get it and so 1st Samuel chapter 16 verse 14 says the Lord completely removed the spirit from Saul like he removed his spirit from Saul and then Saul became depressed So now at this point, his decisions have led to him operating on his own. Now the spirit of the Lord is removed and enter the mental health standpoint in the sense of he's depressed. The word says in chapter uh, 16, verse 14, that he is so distressed and troubled that David has to play music to calm him down. So they had to go and get a musician to play so that this guy could be calmer in his spirit because he was just distraught. He was depressed, he was distraught, he was troubled. And um, you know, this for him kind of is woven throughout first Samuel with Saul. Periodically it will tell you. Saul's spirit is distressed and troubled. Saul's spirit is distressed and troubled. So I'm gonna move on to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 51, where David kills Goliath. Now this isn't particularly about Saul, but what happens is is that we've just been told that God anoints David to replace Saul. Now David is killing Goliath, which was, you know, a big dude. He was a giant. Um, they were, you know, these people with, along with Goliath, was basically terrorizing the Israelites. And David is this little small dude that just comes out of nowhere with a stone and just boop pops him in the head. He falls down. He kills him, and the people are praising him. They're like, yay, 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 David, David, David is awesome. And verse uh, eighteen i'm sorry first samuel chapter 18 verse 9 says that saul side-eyed david well okay no he didn't side-eye him but it does say he eyed him so i'm just gonna kind of add that he eyed him and that means that he became angry and his jealousy started to fester because the people praised david more than they praised him And so now, you know, he's just allowed jealousy and anger to kind of creep in. So when we slide to chapter 18, verse 11 and 12, that jealousy and that anger continue to kind of like root in him and fester in him to the point where he tries to kill David. Okay, He's so angry. He's so mad. He's allowed that to kind of brew over in him. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to get this dude. He's not going to get all this praise from these people. He's not going to take the praise away from me. So he decides that he's going to try to kill him. And he's not successful. Um, But what is very interesting to me during this time is that he tries to kill David. But then he becomes afraid of David. Now, you know, when you read it, you're like, well, why is he afraid of David? He's afraid of him because he realizes when he cannot kill him is he knew that the spirit of the Lord was on David. So that made him more afraid. It's like, okay, wow, the spirit of the Lord is on him. Now, you would think that he would be like, okay, I'm just going to just calm down. I'm going to get my stuff together. I mean, I can finish this strong I can, you know, change God's view. No, no, no. Um, he, Saul doesn't do any of that. So First Samuel 18, verse 19, Saul still is like in there with David. He's still beefing with them. He lies to David and manipulates and promises him a daughter that he knew was not available. So he is becoming more deceitful. He is uh, lying about certain things. Now, he does give one of his daughters to David. So, that part was accurate. But, he's just kind of like playing with them now. So, we'll move to 1 Samuel 19, verse 1. Saul told his sons and his son crew and his crew, Yo, I need y'all to go take David out, kill him. Now, okay. Up until this point, it was kind of like an attempted murder. It was kind of like he was lying and deceitful um, but now he is full-blown because he has kind of put other people he's involved other people in it now so you see kind of how it works when you're when you're not doing what you're supposed to do now you involve someone else into your mess and so that's basically what he did with his son and you know the son's crew and his crew that he was really out to get David by any means and uh first samuel 22 verse 17 saul even goes as far to murder priests because they were loyal to david so you know that anger is bubbling over really really hard and you know that jealousy that envy is boiling over to the point where no matter what I'm involving other people I need I need reinforcement people to help me do it and then if you get in my way I'm gonna take you out too so Saul is just really going far now um the next chapter of 1st Samuel is chapter 28 and i don't have a verse here because the entire chapter is very very it's good. Um you know, i mean it's intriguing, it's good. Um just his life as a whole, Saul's life as a whole to me is um just interesting. So, i mean, i know i'm kind of going through this pretty fast. Uh but i really implore you to kind of get in there and just just really study this man's life. But anyway, we're at First uh, Samuel chapter twenty-eight. Now he is talking to a medium, a psychic, to speak to the dead. Now let me give you some background. All throughout First Samuel, is there is a prophet by the name of Sam Samuel, which is why we're the you know the Bible. This Bible book is called Samuel after this prophet. And so this prophet was the one who. Uh, anointed for god he anointed saul he is the one who guided him he counseled him he told him the the things to do that god wanted him to do he told him when he should not have done things he asked him why and he really tried to guide him into the right direction he's also samuel is also the one that anointed went to choose and anoint david to be the king when saul messed up and so now Samuel is of old age and Samuel has died. The people are kind of like in grief. They're in an uproar. And Saul is all over the place as he was before. I just told you just that he just murdered some priests for not being loyal to him. So he is all over the place by this point. And he wants some direction. So he decides that he's going to go to the psychics the mediums he's going to get these uh truth sayers they call them he's going to get these uh people who are just kind of like into speaking to the dead but he goes to this particular woman and he wants her to speak to the dead and bring up bring back to life Samuel so that he could talk to him and tell ask him what should he do next because he has found out that the spirit of the lord is not upon him now what's very interesting is we are at chapter 28 he is just now figuring out that the spirit of the lord is not upon him i mean really the scripture is saying that the spirit was gone from him when david was um you know replaced him this is back in chapter 16 we're on chapter 28 and he's just realizing that the spirit of the lord is gone and you know he's in an uproar trying to figure it out and just so he you know he's doing all this to speak to the dead he's talking to a psychic to speak to the dead to ask him what to do um, so it's just very interesting how his life has just kind of spiraled. Now we will move on to the last chapter of 1 Samuel. This is chapter 31. And uh, for Saul, this is the last mention of Saul. Um, chapter 31, verse 4 says uh, that basically they are, his Saul's group, they are, you know, in a fight or they're in war people are chasing them and he's kind of running and he's thinking like okay my time is near it's pretty short so he decides that he's gonna end his life by taking a sword and intentionally falling you know falling on it he actually asked his servant to kill him but uh the servant refused and he decided well you know what you ain't gotta do it i'll do it myself so he intentionally fell on his own sword to his death he felt like falling on his sword was better than the man the man killing him and so you know that's something to you know say you've just the irrational thought process of that it's better for him to kill himself than to allow these other people to kill him how does he really know that the other people would have caught up to them he I mean he didn't know that but that is just how much he had spiraled out of control so what caused the distress for Saul well it all started when he didn't listen to God he was disobedient He had an assignment, he didn't do it, and that snowballed out of control. And, you know, I know you've been listening and you're like, how does any of this relate to mental health? Well, I think it's a great example for him because he started with good intentions. He was anointed by God. He was anointed for a purpose. He started with good intentions. He was functioning well until... He opened himself up to doing wrong he opened himself up to doing the wrong thing and that eventually led to him taking his own life and so it's a slow process he didn't just immediately do something wrong and then boom he's ready to kill himself but he, it's, it's like one thing led to another thing and all these things snowballed out of the control. So it was like, he wasn't, he may have felt like, oh, I'm not that bad. I just kind of didn't do something. I went ahead and just stole their, you know, I didn't kill this guy like God told me. And then I stole their possessions. That's not a big deal at all. That's a small thing. But then that small thing to him wind up growing into something that was much bigger. So I ask you the question, what have you opened your spirit up to? What have you opened up your emotional and your mental spirit to? What has caused you emotional or mental distress because you have opened yourself up to it? Is it not following God? Is it jealousy? Is it envy? Is it um, witchcraft? As we saw in the scriptures, is it horoscopes? Is it, you know, identifying as you're the Libra or you're the Sagittarius? Is it psychics? Is it sage burning? Is it Buddha statutes? Is it crystals? Is it yoga? Is it the all-seeing eyes? Is it the dream catchers? Is it fear? Is it pride? Is it unforgiveness? Is it enneagrams? Is it selfishness? I mean, I can go on and on with this list, and only you know if you identify with anything on this list. And it's a big possibility that you're listening and you're like, girl, you tripping. That would, you know, whatever it is that you just named is not even that big of a deal. It's not even pop, uh, you know, that it's not a big deal. It's not, you know, this or that. And it may sound like, you know, hey, she's trying to tell me not to do these things that are popular. Like she don't know what she's talking about. And the reality is, is that it doesn't really matter what I'm talking about. What matters and what's important is what God talks about in regards to these things. What does God think about these things? How does how does these things uh, promote God? If they don't promote God, then you're disappointing God. You have opened up your spirit. To something totally different and so I'm saying that no one is off limits to this episode we as people of faith we are responsible for asking God to examine us for anything 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 that is unclean or that is not right so that we can evaluate what and to whom we have opened up our spirits to and then we can go to God for repentance. We can, unlike Saul, we can seize the opportunity to turn away from doing these bad things or ungodly things or things that don't please God. And we can focus on him because what I can say for sure is that if we do not modify things, if we just continue to kind of walk and do the things that we wanna do, that would be walking in disobedience and it is a strong possibility, like Saul, that it will snowball out of control and in a mental, in a s- spiritual, and an emotional, and in a physical way. And maybe you're thinking, well, it may not be as drastic as Paul, you know, but it may be. And so, do you want to take the chance? Do you want to take the chance that one little thing that you did could snowball to you doing the lying, the deceit, uh just having negative thoughts, being distressed and troubled? Do you wanna take that chance? You know, uh, if you're listening and you are struggling with a severe mental illness, or even if it is not you don't not, you don't believe that it's all that severe. It's nothing, it's just a little depression. I'm really going to encourage you to reach out for help. I'm going to encourage you, regardless of if you feel like it's because of disobedience or not, you know, that's something that you will have to discuss with God and talk to him to find out, okay, am I struggling with this because of disobedience or is it those other things that I mentioned? Is it generational? Is it environmental? Does this have anything to do with just just the social factors? Is it an imbalance, Uh, you know, a chemical imbalance? Um, Those are things you'll have to kind of go to God on. But if you know that that is not the case, you certainly need to reach out to a professional for help, especially if it's severe. And you want to just really heed the opportunity to incorporate good, brain health with prayer and possibly medication if needed. You want to do this. I think it's the best way to encourage your faith. It's the best way to um just to be better and that's really the ultimate goal to be better. So don't let the devil attack your mind. Don't give him an opening. If you find that there is an opening, work with God on closing the opening and be protective of your faith and stand with God for help stand with God for healing and stand with him for mental wholeness now I would like to say a simple prayer for you God if there is anyone listening that has mental health challenges I am praying if it's because of sin that you reveal it to them and that you will let them know that you are available to help them you are available to heal them and you are available to make them whole and i i really hope that for you so i pray that for you in jesus name that you are you get the help from god that you get the healing from god and you get the wholeness from god well that is all for me this week i know this was a little bit long Um, But it was really needed and it was worth it. I'm Ebony Griffin and this is Small Talk, Big Thoughts. Until next time, good people. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts. Small talk, big thoughts, big thoughts, oh.